Victory Midtown, how are y'all doing this morning? Man, I know how you look, but I'm asking how you doing. You look good. You look good. You look good. Man, worship today uh, has already been phenomenal. And I often say this. I often say, don't wait for the preacher to get up before you start receiving from the Lord. And I believe that God is already doing some things, uh, whether you're in the room or whether you're worshiping online, uh, we just welcome you here today and we're glad about what God is doing. And today is very special. Today is very special. As Emily said, we are culminating our series called Emancipating Greatness. But as I've been saying, and as she just said, this is not just a four-week series. This is something that we're walking through. And I've been saying this a lot, even from the very first weekend of the year, and I challenged us to say, give God one year. Give God one year. And if you're new here with us today, or if you haven't been around, what I mean by that is I want to make sure that we actually take time to allow God to take us step by step, moment by moment in our growth and in our maturity and what he has for us. And I believe if we can dig in, if we can lean into this, I believe he really wants to do something special on the inside of us. So I want to say this. As I get ready to jump into the message, I told my wife uh, last night, and I don't often say this because I'm very, very serious about understanding that when I step up here, God has given me the opportunity to be his mouthpiece, not what I want to say, but it's really about the honor and the privilege and the weight of what he wants to give to you. But what I told her last night, I said, I'm actually very excited to minister this word today. And again, I'm excited always to see you. But there's a responsibility when you're speaking for the Lord. And so today, this is what I want you to do. You know, I often say lean in, but I want your, your posture, your spirit to really lean into this entire message today. Because what we're going to talk about today, I believe it's going to be one of those crucial kind of linchpin messages for right here at Victory Midtown. This is the type of message that I think as you invite friends and even as you go back and visit, this will be a foundational message for our church. Because if we can get this, we truly will be able to emancipate greatness. If we can get this, we'll be able to walk into everything that God has for us. So I'm going to jump into this, but again, I'm excited about it because I believe change is going to happen. Amen? Amen. So let me just do a quick, quick review for those who may be new or if you missed a couple of weeks really quickly. The very first week of this series, we actually started off by saying we were made in the image of God. We were made in his likeness. One of those scriptures that I said, you're going to wake up out of your sleep and be able to quote Genesis 127, that we are light bearers and God put his spirit on the inside of us so that we can shine bright into the world around us. And then the second week, what we did is that we said, we're going to redefine greatness. Because if we don't redefine greatness, we'll always think that it's something that we can attain. If we don't redefine greatness, we'll always be looking for somewhere out there or something to do rather than become something. And then what we said is last week, as we were redefining this thing, we said, okay, if greatness is not just something that we attain, what we gave was the definition, the working definition for greatness. I'm going to read it real quick because I think we need to grab it before I move into the next thing. The definition, the working definition of greatness that we said is that greatness is living confident in who God made me to be, using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me. And when you take that in, here it is. We catapulted into last week saying, this whole thing that we're talking about with greatness, it's not about what we will do, it's not about what we will attain, but it's about what we will become. 
And we said that we're going to take some time this year to do what? This is a good class. See, 9 o'clock, I had to remind them a little bit. We said we're going to take some time to... We're going to take some time to slow down and get healthy. Because when we are looking to grow, there are a lot of things that grow, but what we said is we're going to take the entirety of 2021 and get healthy, make sure that as we know that a seed reproduces after its own kind, we don't want to reproduce something that's unhealthy. So that by the time we get to 2022, we can run, we can move, we can share this thing, we can bring people alongside of us because we've gotten healthy and now we can reproduce in 2022. And so as we've been looking at this, here it is. There's a quote that's been really speaking to all of our spirits, all of the campus pastors, myself, Pastor Johnson, Pastor Randy, Pastor Darius, who's even ministering at Hamilton Mill right now. And it's this quote by St. Arrhenius. And he says this. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. And as we say that, here it is. When we talk about the glory, we're talking about the reflection, what emanates, how do we produce what God is in the earth. Our goal, our whole initiative as we're talking about emancipating greatness is to make sure that we at least present, that we guide you to allowing yourself to be fully alive in Christ. Not held back by the things that you've had going on in the past, but walking into what he has for us now. Amen? So this is the journey that we're on. This is the journey that we're on. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we actually walk this out? How do we practically encapsulate this and say we're going to take this journey and sustain this greatness that we're emancipating? And here's how we're going to do it. Today, we're going to be talking about becoming a community of greatness. Becoming a community of greatness. Now, what I said, if you were here in the very first week of the, of the new year, before we even started this series, what I said is that I believe that this is the year, and this is God just kind of giving this to me. He downloaded this to me, and he was like, Mo, this is the year we're here at Victory Midtown. We will commit that there will be no man and no woman left behind. This year, we're going to check on each other. This year, we're going to make sure that we're not just get, getting in and being great and then we're leaving people behind, but this is the year where no man or no woman left behind. And I followed up that statement by saying this. I said, gone are the days of Lone Ranger Christianity. Gone are the days of Lone Ranger Christianity. When you feel like I can do it all by myself, I'm good, you know, I'm reading my devotional. Yeah, you know, I got God and that's all I need. Gone are the days of Lone Ranger Christianity. And that's what we're going to talk about today because I believe if we can grab this, something's going to change in all of us. And what I want to do is I want to just kind of give you this quote by John Wesley because he kind of captured that very well. What he said is this. He says, there is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. There is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. And this is very important because I believe through the patterns and the things that have happened through 2020 and even kind of like dripping over into 2021, our whole lives have changed. And 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has actually even fostered this mentality of every man for himself syndrome, where I have to kind of just figure it out. As I was thinking about this, I remember back when Under Armour first came out and they had those commercials, we must protect this house. Y'all remember that? Little guy with the scully. And what I remember about that and when I think about this, 
when we've entered into this time, what we've done is we've kind of said, okay, I have to protect my house. Us four and no more. I have to make sure that I stay away and I have to do all these things. And the danger in that is that we have as a society, as a nation and as a world, took a quick turn. We went from being a people who love being in crowds, who love being around people, who love congregating, who love getting with people, to turning to a point where isolation started to become the antidote for our covering of ourselves. I like to say it like this. What we said is that we want to make sure that isolation is the antidote for our self-preservation. And what God is saying is that's not the way you hold yourself down. I don't want you just isolated, but I want to walk you through what it looks like to walk in community and how we walk this thing out together. So here it is. As we're talking about becoming a community of greatness, what we have to do is we have to go back to the foundation. We've been talking a lot through Genesis, and we're going to go back there today because what we need to do is follow the model and follow the plan of what God had for us before the foundations of the earth. And what God did is he gave us a model and said, hey, I'm going to actually show you how to operate according to my will. I'm going to show you how to operate according to my plan. So I'm going to give you the blueprint, but it's up to you to walk it out. So here it is. Let's turn to our Bibles, our iPhones, our, our Androids, our iPads, whatever you have. Even if you have a physical Bible, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And I'm going to read the first part of that clause. The Bible says this, Then God said, and this is it. While we're reading this, I need you to really be attentive and really follow. Then God said, let who? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make man in who? Our image according to what? Our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. Let me read that again. It says, then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. Here it is. When we see this, and the reason I'm emphasizing that is that when it says let us, that connotes collaboration. That connotes that it's not an individual gospel, that it's not this thing by yourself. God is sending us a signal. Watch this. He's saying to us, I made man in my likeness to collaborate, not to isolate. I made man in my image to not operate alone, to collaborate and not to isolate. And as I was even writing this message, thinking about this, I heard the inner pessimist in some of you in the room. I heard the inner pessimist in some people that are watching and worshiping with us online right now. For those people who are saying, well, you know, I don't know what that pastor's talking about. I can do good all by myself. You know, I got Jesus, so yeah, I'm really not by myself, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and me. For those of y'all who think y'all are real smart. And God said, okay, I know you think that, but this is it. I'm going to actually call on a higher authority right, right here. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this. Now the Lord God said, not Mo, not the preacher, not the pastor. Now the Lord God said, it is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Let that sink in for a moment. Now, some of you, as you're sinking in, I want to also speak to the person who's saying to yourself, well, they always say that when they're talking about marriage. They don't, they don't really talk about the singles. What about us who hasn't been found yet? 
What about us who don't want to get married, who are good not being married? Let me take you to the next piece. As we look at this, what it is is when we look at that scripture, the word man in that scripture is actually Adam, Adam in Hebrew, which also means mankind. So even if you're a person that's saying, I'm not trying to be in a relationship, I'm not trying to have that person that's with me, that husband or that wife, God is saying it is not good for mankind to be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. You guys know I'm a participating pastor, so put your hands like this. Say, it's not good for us to be alone. It's not just about you. It's not good for us to be alone. So as we're looking at this, yes, God is talking about creating a wife for Adam here, but there's a deeper truth that he's saying to us right here, and what he's saying is that you were not created to be isolated. You were not created to be by yourself. As a matter of fact, I want you to say this with me and say it with your chest. Say this, I was created for community. See, y'all know I'm watching you. Just like last week, some of y'all think because y'all had those masks on, I don't know that you're not saying it. Say it one more time with your chest. Everybody participate and say, I was created for community. Put that in the chat if you're watching online. I was created for community. So as we're thinking about this and as we understand that we are going to become a community of greatness, there's just a few things that we need to understand to walk this thing out. And some of the things that we need to understand, number one, is that we are called, watch this word, to rule together. I need you to write rule down on your pad, or if you're taking notes in your phone, put rule right there. Make it real bold. We were called to rule together. Now, this is a major key alert, so you need to really hear this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and in the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, when we see this, it says rule over the fish of the sea, rule over everything, all the things that scurry along the ground. But that word rule in Hebrew is actually rada, rada. And it actually means to have dominion. It means to have dominating power. This is actually a verb that's imperative, and it's not just a a chill verb, it's a command. So it's a command that you dominate. It's a command that you rule. This verb is plural. It's not given to one person, meaning this is for all of us. There is no one in this room that you're exempt from this. Because the Lord said, let us rule. As a matter of fact, if you're from the South, it's like, let y'all rule. Come together. Let's rule together. So here it is. What we're looking to do is we're looking to make sure that we bring the kingdom together, that we run together, that we dominate together, that we actually make a mark and do something significant. What? Together. And so as we're looking through this, here it is. We were called to do life together, not on a solo mission. And many of us, we've been doing this on a solo mission, wondering why it's not working. So I want to read the last part of Genesis 1.26 one more time, and I want to see if you can actually find the hidden transcript that's in this scripture. So pay attention real closely. The end of that part, it says, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creations that move along the ground, that scurry along the ground. He said, rule over everything. But here it is. There is one thing that God said 
don't rule. He spoke to everything except one thing. And what it, what, what's that one thing? That one thing is to rule over each other. He said, rule over all these things, but you are not called to rule over your neighbor. And the reality is, while we have this dominating power, while we have this, this call to dominate and rule, we have to be careful not to let that float over into the people that we surround ourselves around. Because what happens is that when we start to rule, this is where sin came in and perverted the call of God. Sin came in in Genesis 3 and started to tell us we can do stuff outside of God. But what sin also did is it perverted this actual pure call to rule, and this is where slavery came from. This is where racism still comes from. This is where when you have that boss that's really a dictator and not really caring about you and just telling you that you're nothing, this is where that comes from because people have confused being able to rule with people with ruling over people. So as we're walking through this, we need to grab it. Because here it is, anybody that knows me in this room, that knows me, they know that when they come in contact with me, this is my call. I'm saying always, I want to give away all that I have. Anything that the Lord has blessed me with, any ability, any resource, I want to give it to those around me because I don't want to be the only one operating in greatness. I don't want to be the only one saying, oh, I'm good, so I don't care about you. And so even the people on our staff, what we say often is we say, hey, listen, I will pour out, I will give, I will allow myself to be poured out as long as you will receive it. And the reality is some may say, well, you're the pastor and you're the boss. What that means is that if I'm the pastor, if I'm the boss, that means I need to be the greatest servant among us. That means I need to be more concerned with making sure those around me are lifted up and I'm not just highlighted. Because here's the thing, and I, I, need, you to, I need you to really lean in on this one. Come on, I need you to lean in with me. Come on, lean in. Here it is. There's a truth in this thing that I'm getting ready to say, and I need you to grab it. If you look around your circle, if you are a person with the people around you that you surround yourself around, and you're the only person walking in greatness, it might not necessarily be that you're so great. It might actually be that you're selfish and insecure. You can lean back. Why did I say that? Because selfish and insecure people keep themselves lifted up. Selfish and insecure people don't want to see somebody else win with them. Selfish and insecure people will say, as long as I'm the one stunting, I'm okay. Selfish and insecure people will see something in you and not call it out because it actually threatens them. So as we're looking at this, here it is. Let me go ahead and say this. Let me put this on record. I do not want this church being about me. Let me say that again. I don't want this church being about me because here it is. If it's about me, I'm the one being lifted up and Christ is the only one that needs to be lifted up in this place. Some of you are like, okay, I already know that, but here it is. The reason I'm saying that is because as God is building some things, I don't want the mindset of, oh, if Pastor Moe's not preaching, I don't want to come to church. If we're streaming, I don't want to come to church because here it is. Whoever gets behind this book board, whoever we receive a word from, even if it's from our Norcross campus, we need to know that we are on a journey together where we need each other. Somebody say together. together. So as we're walking through this, here it is. Write this principle down. This is something we need to grab. True greatness 
always adds and brings people up together. It doesn't isolate just to lift himself up. I'm going to say it one more time. True greatness always adds and brings people up. It never isolates just to lift oneself up. Because this journey of greatness is not a solo act. It's a collaboration. Here it is, because we were called to walk this thing of the kingdom. We were called to walk this journey out together. You're going to hear me say together a lot today. We were called to walk this thing out together. As a matter of fact, Jesus' model was always for the disciples and those he sent out to go two by two. My wife, Kendra, she says this all the time, especially to our staff, especially to those who we walk with. We say, don't operate as a lone ranger out here. Even when you're going and you're meeting with members and you're trying to do stuff in the city, you're going to meet with businesses, take somebody with you. Because I'm talking to the person that's saying, okay, I know, Mo, you're an extrovert, but I'm an introvert. I'm talking to the person who goes and takes a retreat by themselves in the woods and nobody knows where you are. Yeah, I'm in your business right now. I'm talking to the person who say, I just need a little time to recharge, but I'm going to go out here. And now if something happens, we just say, well, where are they? And here it is. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. I'm not saying anything is wrong with going out by yourself, but at least share your location. <laughs> at least share your location so that we can know where you are. If something happens, we can look and say, okay, I saw the news. I know I can go get them from there. Because what happens is that we will set ourselves up for failure trying to operate in isolation. I want us to grab this. So when we look at this, here it is. Even the apostles' doctrine in Acts 2, it was all about being together. It was never about being isolated. They were always like, what can I do for somebody else? If I have food and you don't have food, we both have food now. If I don't have resources and you have resources, now let's share so we both have them. If you think about it, all through scriptures, it's been two by two. Moses had Aaron. They both had something different that the other person had that they needed. Peter had uh, John, and they walked together, and they had something different that they needed from each other. Paul had Silas, and the Bible says one prayed and one sung, and then the breakthrough happened. What would have happened if it was only one of them? He would have been singing and having a good time, but they still would have been in jail. And God is saying, you need to make sure that you come outside of yourself because one plus one is really not two. It's actually an exponential thing that I want to do with you when I show up on the scene. So as we're looking at this, here it is. There's a quote by John Maxwell. It's not in your notes, but here's something that he said that I actually carry with me as a life quote. He says, I want to do something significant with other people who want to do something significant. It's not enough if I'm just doing it by myself. See, I'm not having fun. Again, I say this to our staff all the time. This is it. As a boss, as a leader, no matter where you find yourself, I need to ask you this question. Are you satisfied with you just operating in greatness? Or can you humble yourself and say, hey, what's going on in your spirit? What is God speaking to you? What is the Lord saying to you about Victory Midtown? How is he saying that we need to shift and turn? Because here it is. What I recognize is that I don't know everything. What I recognize is that if I'm actually depending on just my intellect, my ability, there will be a glass ceiling there. But when I open it up to people who might not have the title, when I open it up to people who might not be the expert, 
what we find is that there's innovation, there's creativity, there is something special in each and every one of us that we have to collaborate in order to accomplish. So as we look at this, here it is. One of my favorite scriptures that we're going to go to, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, there is revelation packed in this passage. And so we're going to read from verse 9 and hear this. It says this, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Here it is. Here's the revelation. As I was reading, as I was writing this down, what I need us to understand is that while we have personal relationship with God, while we can pray and we can feel his spirit, we can feel his presence, God cannot do anything tangible in the earth without another person. Let that sink in for a second. Because a lot of us, we hear God and we see God out, come somewhere out there. But in order for God to manifest, meaning to bring it to pass, to take it out of being spirit to physical, he has to actually use a person. And as the scripture says, what happens is that one person, if they find themselves falling, they can have somebody pick them up. But how many times have you been out in a situation where you needed somebody to pick you up, where you were yelling out, you were crying out to God, you were crying with crocodile tears and everything, and God is like, hey, I see you crying, but you didn't follow my first initiative. I see you crying, but nobody's around you for me to move through. What God is wanting us to see is that community is not so somebody can just kind of hold you down. Community is so that you can be saved when you need it. And here's the, here's the other piece of revelation that I saw when I was looking at that. It says a three-braided cord cannot easily be broken. So at least if you have him and he has you, what can happen is as y'all are together, God is that third cord. So when God is on the scene, both of you can come together and God is like, okay, as long as you continue to lift me up, I will make sure that you don't break. So as we look at this, here it is. This is not just theoretical. This is not just somewhere out there. This has been proven. And we have some stats that even back this up. Here it is. We need others if we're really going to become a community of greatness. And the first stat I wanted you to see and hear is that a study was found that we are 65% more likely to complete a goal if we commit to another person. But it goes further. We are 95 more likely to complete a goal if we establish a partnership with someone else not trying to do it by ourselves, not trying to make sure that I'm the superstar. It says geese flying in formation with other geese, they increased their range of flight by 70%. There was only so far they could go by themselves, but when they come together, it exponentially grows. And then this is the one I like. The strongest horse can pull 4,500 pounds by himself, but two horses can pull 12,000 pounds. Four horses can pull 30,000 pounds because something happens when partnership shows up. 
And here's the nuance of that. Even if the other horses are not as strong as the first horse, just because they came together, now you're able to do more. Yeah, it's all right to clap it up because some of us have been operating out here by ourselves wondering why the business didn't do how it was supposed to do, wondering why the relationships are not going like they should go, wondering why you're operating in depression. It might not be chemical. It might that you're leaving out a critical form in another person. Just say lie for a minute. Because we have to grab this. We have to stop becoming those Lone Ranger people who are like, I can do it all by myself. I'm good all by myself. Because most of the time we're saying that from a place of hurt. Most of the time we're saying that from a place of self-protection and self-preservation. And God is saying you're actually hurting yourself more than you're harming yourself because I want more than you're helping yourself because I want to help you. So here it is. I'm going to say it like this. I remember I used to watch a lot of Marvel. I still watch a little Marvel in D.C. and stuff like that. But if you would think about it, Batman was always better with Robin. He might have been the superstar, but Robin was the one saying, hey, did you think about that? I have these tools over here. This is how we're going to get out of here. Jordan, no matter what you think, he was great when he was by himself, but he got a lot better when Pippen came along. Let me say this for some of our uh, people who are going to be watching the Super Bowl next week. Tom Brady won a whole lot of Super Bowls in New England. But he said, I'm a whole lot better with Gronk with me. Even in that, if you think about it, Tom Brady as an individual, even around a team, he did a whole lot. But what he said, even in this season, he said, I'm going into a new season. But I need to be with someone who's a partner with me that I know. I need to bring somebody with me to understand that as we're going to operate in new terrain, let me be with someone who I'm familiar with, who's been in the trenches with me, who can cover me back to back. Some of you in here, what you've done is there are some people that are from your last season that you've cut off too soon. See, in the church, it's real popular when somebody says, delete that number out your phone. Those people from the old season are not for your new season. While that might be true a lot of times, are you the one who needs to ask for forgiveness? Are you the one who needs to give grace? Are you the one who needs to go back and say, hey, we built too much on this foundation. Let's not just throw it away. So we are better together, but we have to grab it. And here's something that I really want us to get. In the kingdom of God, we have to be okay with this, what we call a bad word that starts with a V. We have to be okay with being vulnerable. Because if we're really honest, that's the reason why a lot of us are not in community. That's the reason why a lot of us kind of operate by ourselves, because we don't want anyone to see our scars. We don't want anyone to see where we're undone. But here it is. Watch this. We need to be a people who are okay with saying, I need to depend on you. We need to make dependence on our brother and sisters okay again. Now, I'm not talking about being codependent, where you're blowing somebody up and you've sent them 100 DMs and they haven't answered one to you. I'm not saying be a stalker or be weird. Come on. But what I am saying is that some of us need to just open up a little bit more and say, hey, I need help. I need you. I can't do this by myself. And we'll find ourselves in a better position. Listen to this quote from Chuck Swindoll. He said something very powerful about this, and it's a long quote, but I need you to hear it. Open up your ears and your hearts. He says this, nobody is a whole chain. Each one is a link. 
But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team. Each one is a player. But take away one player and the game is forfeited. Nobody is a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. But take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. You guessed it. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands, we're not. To make this thing called life work, we got to lean and support and relate and respond and give and take and confess and forgive and reach out and embrace. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without our playing to that silly role. The game's over. Let's link up. Let's link up. Let's stop acting like we can do it all by ourselves. Because when we understand that, it actually takes us to this next truth that I want to give us that we have to walk in. As we understand we can't do it alone, we're called to rule together. Now we have to understand that we were also called to affirm each other. We are absolutely called to affirm one another. If you even think back to when Adam and Eve, they first came on the scene, when Eve came out, Adam looked at her and said, mm, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. See, we look at that a lot and we think, you know, we're like, okay, Adam, he was just spitting game at Eve. Let me unurbanize that for a minute. He wasn't just saying nice pleasantries to Eve. He wasn't just trying to make Eve feel good. What Adam was doing is he was actually using his A word. He was affirming Eve. He was telling her, man, you come from the same substance that I come from. What's in you is what's in me, and we can do something great together. And as we hear him say that, here it is. I want you to hear this and, and really open up your spirit. We all need affirmation, and we all need to give it. See, it's not a one-way street. We all need affirmation, and we also need to give it. What is affirmation? Affirmation is taking the purposeful initiative to call out and agree with the greatness God has put in someone else. I need to say that one more time because some of us are affirmation deficit. Some of us are actually dehydrated from affirmation. Some of us are affirmation malnourished right now. Because we've been walking out here trying to do things, and God is trying to give you something through a person, but you've been blocking it off. Affirmation is taking purposeful initiative to call out and agree with the greatness God has put in someone else. If you don't believe me, ladies in the house, have you ever showed up to work, and you weren't really feeling that great, you kind of felt a little blah, and you walked into the office, and someone came up to you and said, you look nice today. As a matter of fact, when you show up, the whole room kind of lights up. You might have not been feeling good at first, but then you kind of start to walk and say, oh, I do feel good, don't I? I do look great, don't I? You ever had a presentation at work you've been stressing about? You're, you're ready to present. You know, all the business is counted on it, and you beast it. And then you get done with that presentation, and the boss comes up and say, hey, you are gifted. You actually saved the company money today. We are so glad you're on the team. In that moment, you start to feel a little bit more value in yourself. You say, I'm going to ask for a raise tomorrow. <laughs> fellas in the house. Let me talk to the fellas. Where the fellas at in the house? Oh, that was kind of weak. Where the fellas at in the house? Come on. Fellas, 
If your wife comes up to you or your girlfriend comes up to you and they say, man, I really like the way you operate. You stand in strength. For the wives in the house that are speaking to the husband, they say, man, I'm so glad you actually take care of our home in such a way. You're such a great dad. For me, I don't even need that much because Kendra and I, we have an understanding. I've told you guys before, she does the cooking in the house and I do the cleaning of the kitchen. Amen. I think she's happy about that. But the reason I say that is because she will cook an awesome meal, and I'm eating it, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. But what happens is when I go actually clean up, there are times after I clean up that she says, babe, you did such a great job cleaning that kitchen. I say, oh, I did, didn't I? <laughs> I feel good about that. So much so that what she doesn't know, there are times where I'm in the kitchen before she comes out, and I'm looking on the counter making sure it's all clean. I want that affirmation one more time. Listen, we all need affirmation, and we all are called to give it. And what we don't know is that sometimes when we don't get that, we actually implode. So as we're looking at this, here it is. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, it says it like this. I love this. It says, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Mm. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry, meaning when you have that right custom-made piece of jewelry, you feel a little bit more valuable. You feel good. You know you look good. And as we're looking at this, it's not something that just kind of sits on you. It raises your countenance when someone speaks life into you. We said that greatness is living confident in who God made me to be, using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me. And one of the strongest ways that we become more confident in who God made us to be is that when somebody who is linked up with us affirms us. When someone who is called to walk with us actually speaks life, because then you know it's not just gratuitous. Then you know that they're actually speaking value in you because they're really walking with you in life. And there's a scripture that I want to actually highlight right now that actually talks about Paul when he was speaking in the Timothy. See, Paul was a spiritual father. He was a mentor to a lot of people. And in this particular passage, he was mentoring Timothy, and he started to speak some things into Timothy, saying, I need you to lead right now. I need you to step up. Timothy was young. He was inexperienced. He didn't have leadership ability that he had proven. But what Paul is saying right now in 1 Timothy, let's read it. He says, so Timothy, my son, I am entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry. With this encouragement, with this affirmation, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clear conscience. Here it is. What Paul is telling Timothy is even if you go back before that, he was saying, your grandmother spoke life into you. Your mother spoke life into you. I need you to take these prophecies and use them as weapons when you feel a little downtrodden. I need you to re recount the encouragement that I gave you because there are going to be some times when you need to war in the spirit and know that I've called you to this. There are some people in this room that people in the past have spoken some good things, but you didn't believe it. You need to pull those things back into your present and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You need to pull those things from the past and put it into your present and say, I am more than a conqueror. You need to pull the simple things back from your parents or your grandparents and say, baby, you is smart. You are good. You can do anything. 
See, it's not always deep. Sometimes it's from the, the person that you don't even expect that will speak a word that will catapult you into destiny. So as we look at this, as Paul is even talking to Timothy saying, recount those prophecies. See, sometimes we make this stuff so deep, but here it is. I want to give you a simple definition of prophecy that I want to work with. And it's calling forth the greatness out of you so that you can walk in it now. See, prophecy is where I'm speaking, I'm seeing the greatness, the gifts that are on the inside of you that may be lying dormant, and we're pulling those things out in the spirit. I'm declaring that you will no longer stay in the place that you are in right now. And as a pastor, as your pastor, as your shepherd, one of my main responsibilities and privileges is to look at you and call forth prophecy out of you, to pull and say you are greater than the place that you are sitting to pull and say, hey, there is more in you than you're actually showing up as. But here it is. That doesn't just lie with me. Look at somebody next to you right quick. Look at somebody next to you. You have the power to prophesy over them. Come on, look at them one more time and say, hey, I'm prophesying over your life right now. Come on, speak through that mask and say, hey, you are great. You have wisdom. You have strength. And so do I. Somebody give God praise right now in the house. So here it is. I want to say this. I want to say this. The reason why a lot of times we are affirmation deficit is because we operate in a poverty mindset. See, when I say poverty mindset, the first thing that comes to your mind is money. But the poverty mindset that I'm speaking of right now is that you feel like you can't say something to somebody else because when you give something out, you will be lacking something. The poverty mindset that I'm talking about is you feeling like there's not enough to go around, that there's not enough greatness to go around. And God is saying, don't you know that I created everything? Don't you know that I have no limits? Don't you know that I'm omniscient, I'm omnipresent, that I put everything in you that you can get out? So what he's saying is give it away. Give it away because I want to bring it back to you. Here's another scripture that we read out of context sometimes. Give and it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and coming over, come, running over. Some of you heard this scripture only at offering time. And what God is saying is this principle goes around everything. Give affirmation and it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I'm feeling that right there. Give and it shall be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Somebody needs to move with me right quick. You need to give affirmation out because God is trying to get something back to you, and he wants to bring it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Somebody give God praise if you want all of that. 1 Corinthians 12 says it like this, and I'm going to wrap this up in a second, but this is so needed for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says this, it is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord, Yahweh, is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. See, God is trying to energize and activate your gift right now. 
And as we're looking at this, I want us to understand what that scripture is actually saying is that my gifts are not yours and vice versa, but we need all of them. What he's saying is I have something that I bring that's unique to me and you have something that's unique to you that you bring. Mother Teresa said it like this. She said, I can do what you cannot and you can do what I cannot and together we can do great things. Write this down. Here's the challenge. What happens so much is that we misinterpret different as being better, which actually yields insecurity. I'm going to say that one more time. We misinterpret different as being better, which actually yields insecurity. So when somebody has something that's different than yours, has an ability that's different than yours, you're looking at them trying to say, oh, man, I, I can't do that, so I'm not as good. Let me say it like this and be very honest with you. Even my wife, my wife is extremely gifted, extremely smart, extremely intelligent. There are things that I watch her do where I'm looking, I'm like, dang, God, you gave her all of that. I wish I could do that. Her memory, being able to recount certain things, the way God speaks to her and speaks prophetically through her. There are times where I'm like, man, I wish I could operate in that. But at the same time, there are things because we affirm each other that she looks at me and says, Mo, you were called to do that. Mo, while I might have this ability, you are in your spot. You are in your place of purpose. And I need you to know that what God has put in you is valuable. How much better would we be if we were able to look at each other and not compete out of insecurity and be able to say, hey, you have something great. I have something great, but we need it all together. So I need you to practice this because some of y'all are going to leave here today and they're like, okay, I heard that, but I'm kind of shy. So I need you to look at somebody next to you. Just follow me. Look at somebody next to you and say this. I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot, but together we can do great things. Come on, clap it up if you believe that. Come on. So here it is. This is why it's important for husbands to affirm their wives and wives to affirm their husbands. This is why it's important for small group leaders to start to have those conversations with those who are in your group, your I see in you conversations, being able to call things out. Somebody is waiting on you for them to call the greatness out of them. This is why it's important for there's a lot of CEOs and bosses right here in this room for you to take this message and to take it to your workplace and start to call people out. See, I have this thought that some of you, your business may have not been doing as good as it should. It's because you have not called out the greatness in some of those employees who you actually call problem employees. What if you started to prophesy to them? You don't have to be spiritual, speak in tongues, and lay hands on them. What if you just started to say, hey, you're great. That, that little thing that you think is insignificant, we can use that more around here. Hey, you look nice today. Can you help other people show up with the right presentation? See, this is not just for the church house. This is for you to take this and emancipate greatness wherever you go, because when you go up, the light shows up. So we have to commit to being people of blessing. And that just takes me to the last thing that I want to share with us today that we have to understand in order to walk as a community of greatness. And it's this. With all the things that I talked about, with all the affirmation, with all this understanding that we need to rule and we need to reign, what we have to do to make this practical is we have to step out the boat. You can learn all these things. 
You can be a practice All-American and be great at practice and never put yourself in the game. With all these things, we have to step out into the, into the water, out of the boat. And I want to read this familiar passage of Scripture, but I want you to see this and see some things that God is teaching us through this Scripture. In this Scripture, this is Jesus after he had spent the day teaching, and then he goes along by himself to pray. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 24, it says this, But the disciples who were now in the middle of the lake ran into trouble. For their boat was tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the waves. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, a ghost. Then Jesus said, be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? See, I don't want you to go to autopilot on what you've heard about this scripture before. I want you to hear this. Everyone, when we read this scripture, we give Peter a hard time. We give Peter a hard time and say, oh, you of little faith. You know, you stepped out there and then you kind of fell and you got distracted by the winds and the waves. Some people would say those winds and waves, they were the troubles of life that were coming. He got distracted. But here's the thing. Peter was the only person that stepped out the boat. While there are people saying, oh, Peter, you have little faith. Oh, Peter, why didn't you do this? How many of them, they were all looking at him while he was stepping out. How many times have we heard God say, come, and we've watched somebody else step out? Because when you read the scripture, the scripture doesn't say that Jesus says, Peter, come. It was for all of us. What did we say? It was plural. It was for all of us to have the invitation to come. But many of us, we found ourselves as not worthy. Many of us, we found ourselves as insignificant. Many of us, we found ourselves as underqualified to walk in the greatness that God has for us. And he continues to say, come, and you keep watching somebody go in front of you. He keeps saying, come, and you keep watching somebody else start that business. He keeps saying, come, and you keep watching somebody else lead in the way that you know deep down inside you're called to lead. And what I want us to understand is that it's not about what you hear from the crowd. Brene Brown says it like this. It's not about the people who are actually yelling from the cheap seats. Because the people in the cheap seats, they didn't take the step to step out. It's about what God has for you when you answer the call to step out into greatness. So as we're looking at this, we have to make sure that we don't just let the thing go by, let the invitation go by. Because there are two sides to this community of blessing that we're talking about. There's two sides to this community of greatness. Number one, we understand that we do have to be people that are agents of affirmation. And number two, we have to be those who are willing to step out the boat. Because here's the thing, you have to open up your mouth for someone to be able to affirm that. You have to actually put pen to paper for someone to be able to celebrate that you're doing something. 
You have to make sure you make that move if you actually want to receive that affirmation and then give that affirmation. So here's my question to you. Each of us have possibilities, but what possibilities are lying dormant on the other side of your yes? What are you waiting on? As a matter of fact, what is God waiting on you to say yes to so that you can really walk in the revealed greatness that you have? I want to show us this video to close, and then I want us just to receive this and even see even more what I'm talking about. Watch this. When the rain is blowing in your face And the whole world is on your face She didn't even realize. Did you realize what this is? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh my gosh, that is so pretty. When the evening shadows and the stars Okay. I dreamed a dream in time gone by. When folks smile, I didn't expect that, did you? Did you? No. Very much, uh, Susan Pears. Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on this show. Okay, moment of truth. Pears, yes or no? The biggest yes I have ever given anybody. Amanda? Yes, definitely. Brilliant. Amanda, you too! 
Susan Boyle, you can go back to the village with your head held high. It's three S's. There are people waiting to affirm you on the other side of your yes. But people can't affirm you if they don't see the real you. So my declaration today as we're closing this out is to stop hiding, to come into community. Because the reality is that most everybody wants community, but not as many people want accountability. And generally when we hear that word accountability, we look at it as something that someone's trying to hold something over our head, trying to tell us what we didn't do right. But let me reframe accountability for you for a second. The accountability that I'm talking about is that when we look at people who we are linked up with and locked up with, that we say, hey, what about that thing you told me you were going to start? Hey, what about that class you said you were going to go take? Hey, you know, the, the new year's kind of come and gone. You said you were going to start working out again. I, I'll meet you to go work out. Accountability is not us just saying, hey, you're, you're, you're sinning and you're doing something wrong. It's, I want to call the greatness out of you, and I'm going to hold you accountable to walking it out. I love this last quote that Francis Chan gives us. He says this, it is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so that you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. Some of us in here, we are operating in superficial peace. We've been taking it easy. We've been operating at two when God is saying, I have a 10 for you. And so as we're talking about community, as we're talking about operating in this emancipating of greatness, I have two calls for us today. Today, I wanna call us to be a community where God emancipates greatness within each other and around each other. And the two main ways that we're gonna do that today, yes, this community t-shirt, this community hoodie was for a reason. Because today, some of you will have the opportunity to join a small group today. You've been saying, I've been looking for community. I've been looking for people to come around. I don't know anybody in Atlanta. I don't know anybody in this area. But there's an opportunity today that we will give you to connect, to link up. Some of you even are feeling the call that I need to lead a small group because I have a lot of affirmation to give. I have a lot of leadership to give. You'll be able to do that. And then the other opportunity we'll have today is for serving opportunities. And see, what happens a lot of times in church is many times when we're asking people to serve, we're doing it from a place of deficit. We're saying, oh, I need people to do this. I need somebody to hold the door. I need somebody to, to do this in operations. But that's not what we want. We don't want you to operate and say, I'm going to serve out of a place of need. What we really want is for you to look at and say, hey, I see these different areas. I want to pick something that's an area of strength for me. Because when you operate and you serve out of a place of strength, it's no longer labor. You get joy out of it. You get life out of it. You actually are able to be a door to somebody else to operate in their greatness. So we'll give you some information about how you tap into those things. But right now, I want to pray as we get ready to send you out. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to call out the greatness 
that may be lying dormant in so many people. God, I pray right now that as we understand, yes, we are called to rule together. We are called to affirm one another. But ultimately, we have to do something with that calling. So I pray for the people that even as we said in corporate prayer this morning, I pray for the people who have been operating in the background. I pray for the people who have been operating in the caves and you're calling them out of darkness. I pray for the people who have been operating with old clothes from an old season on and you're calling them to step out and to be anew. So God, I thank you right now for even those people in here who need to make a decision to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, which is the first step to operating in greatness. Father, I pray right now that even as they're hearing my voice, that they will declare that Jesus, you are my Lord, that Jesus, you are my Savior, that they will confess with their hearts and confess with their, with their mouths and say, Lord, I need a Savior, and I ask right now for you to forgive me of my sins. I repent, meaning I turn away from the way I've been doing things and I turn towards how you want me to live now. And I accept you as my king. I accept you as my Lord and I am saved. So Father, right now, every single person in here and online, we declare that the emancipating of greatness is happening right now. And we will no longer hide, but we will walk in everything that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and that we receive that. Amen, amen, and amen. Victory Midtown, I love you. Let's walk in greatness.